If you have a Bible and you want to get it out and follow along, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, help yourself to one that's in the rack in front of you. Today we are wrapping up our series, Resilient Faith. And this passage that we're going to be looking at today is going to teach us about something we absolutely have to have in order for our faith to be resilient. That is, to have a genuine faith in Jesus that can take a beating without breaking. And that's really important because... Uh, as Peter, the Apostle Peter has told us more than once in this book, and you'll see it again today, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, and if you, you live life the way he wants you to, your faith will take a beating. It will. There'll be times when people who don't like Jesus, don't like his message, will treat you unfairly. And then there are times when you will just experience the hardships that come with living in this world that's so messed up by sin. That's going to happen. It is going to happen. And so you're going to need a faith in in Christ that is resilient, not fragile, not brittle. And so today we're going to be looking, we're going to be winding up today with, with looking at a quality that is absolutely essential. You've got to have this in your life if your faith is going to be resilient, if, it's, if you're going to be able to endure hardship. So uh, I'm going to read the passage and then uh, we'll unpack it and think about it and how, how to live it. Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to pick it up in the last part of verse 5. So Peter, writing under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, says this to us. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace will himself, who who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Did you see it? Did you see the quality we've got to have? It's humility. Humility. 
is an essential part of a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Humility. Uh, A faith that it can endure adversity is a faith that has humility. And the longer I live, and the more I interact with people, the more convinced I've become that without humility, you cannot live the life God wants you to live. You can't have the relationships God wants you to have. You can't become the person God wants you to become without humility. It is absolutely essential. Those who believe in Jesus must be humble people. Humble people. And you can see it in the the first two commands in the first two verses. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So humility toward God, humility toward one another. Every one of us needs that. Every single one of us. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't take a lot of unpacking to see that. It's just there. Okay, but there's something else here that doesn't seem nearly so obvious. Peter makes a connection between humility and anxiety. Somehow, being humble involves not being anxious. And I don't know about you, but I find that very intriguing. Very intriguing. I want to understand that. Okay? I know anxiety is bad. I know it's bad. And I totally get that anxiety would make faith fragile. You know, less resilient. It does. It makes faith very brittle, very fragile. But what is the connection? What is the connection with humility? Humility. How does humility counteract anxiety? How do those work? I want to know that. In fact, I need to know that because anxiety is something I struggle with. I have my whole life, ever since I was a kid. My nickname was Worry Wart. I don't know what that means exactly, but I don't think it's a compliment. Okay? So, and I suspect, in fact, I know many of you struggle. In fact, probably everybody has moments of struggling with anxiety. It's, it's a very real issue. So I, I want to know how these things, how humility counteracts anxiety and so forth. So, I want to I walk us through this. There, Peter gives us, in this passage, three lessons on humility. And these lessons kind of build on top of each other, or, or if you want to think of it another way, they're like links in a chain. And these lessons on humility show us how humility opposes anxiety and therefore makes faith resilient. Humility opposes, displaces anxiety, and makes faith more resilient. So that's what, that's what I want to look at. So here we go. First lesson, first link in the chain, God wants you to be humble. God wants you, 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 to be humble. Well, as I said, that's pretty obvious. It, it's pretty clear here. But 
it's important to, to see it and to feel it and to, to, uh, to understand that humility is a God thing. It's a God thing. What do I mean? What I mean is, this was not a virtue dreamed up by human philosophers. You didn't have, you know, this brain trust sitting around. It, it, it wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a group of thinkers at a, you know, religious symposium, a bunch of guys stroking their beards, smoking pipes, and said, okay, what virtues, you know, should we teach and advocate? I know, humility, that's a good one, let's go with that. No. In fact, humility has never been all that popular with humanity. Um, as uh, the Greeks and Romans, for example, they actually despised humility. They taught against it. They, they believed that humility was a sign of weakness, something to be overcome. And that attitude really persists today. You're not going to hear humility advocated on talk shows you know, you, you, you're not going to hear politicians make humility part of their platform. You will not hear humility in commencement speeches. Hey, graduates, you know what we really need to get out there and succeed in the world? We need humility. You can go to the biggest bookstore around, you know, go to Barnes & Noble and go into the self-help section and look for books on humility. Guess how many you'll find? None. Why? Because humility is the opposite of self-help. It is the opposite of self-promotion. It is the opposite of self-reliance. It is the opposite of the pride which comes so naturally to every one of us. Really, to value humility, you have to value God. Because God loves humility. And so the more important God is to you, the more important humility will be to you. And if humility is not at all important to you, that suggests God's not very important to you at all. Notice the end of verse 5. It's pretty, uh, pretty stark. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to whom? The humble. That statement occurs three times in the Bible, from the book of Proverbs, it's in the book of James, and it's here in the book of 1 Peter. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Just let that sink in. John Piper said this about this. Nothing could be worse than to have an infinitely powerful God be opposed to you. And nothing could be better than to have an infinitely powerful God be gracious to you. That's what he does to the humble. And he does it not because humility is a performance of virtue that earns grace. It is a confession of emptiness that receives grace. Let me say that again. It's kind of a dense statement. Humility. Being humble is not a performance of virtue. Hey, God, look at me. Look how humble I'm getting. Don't, do I, don't I deserve grace? It's not a performance of virtue that earns grace. 
It is a confession of emptiness. God, I got nothing. I need your grace. It's, it's a confession of emptiness that welcomes, that receives grace. In other words, God loves it when we realize how much we need him. How everything we have comes from him. That all of our abilities, all of our talents, all of our opportunities are undeserved gifts of his grace. He's our creator. He's our provider. He is our sovereign Lord. Acts 17.24 The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. I love that. Paul says, I'm going to make a list of all the things God gives us. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He goes, wait, this is going to take way too long. Okay, everything. (laughs) God made us. God gives us life. God gives us breath. God gives us everything. He defines our meaning. He defines our purpose. He defines our identity. He has every right to tell us how to live And we have every responsibility to live exactly how he tells us. He defines what's good. He defines what isn't. He's in charge because he's God. And we're not. And when we finally realize that and embrace that and admit it and remember it and live it, that's humility. That's humility. When we finally realize he's God, I'm not. He defines how I live, I don't. He defines good, I don't. That's humility. So can you see why humility is not particularly popular? Do you see it? Because we're sinners. And the essence of sin is pride. The essence of sin is pride. What's that? It means believing we know better than God. That's really what it is. We believe we know better. And so we refuse his leadership. We refuse his instruction. We reject his ways. We insist that, no, God doesn't define what's right and wrong for me. I do. I define what's right. I define what's wrong. It's my decision. It's my life. I'll do it how I want to do it. You know what that is? That's pig-headed ignorance. Arrogance. Pig-headed arrogance. And we're all infected with it. Every single one. And if you don't think you are, you're not humble. And that's a terrible place to be. And I would say, if, if this morning you don't feel like you're infected with pig-headed arrogance, I would urge you to plead with God for humility, to see it. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God wants to be gracious 
to you. He wants to be gracious to you. That's why he wants you to be humble. Because only the humble will receive grace. Only the humble open up their hands and receive it. God wants you to be humble. Okay, link number two in the chain. Or step number two, if you want to think that way. Being humble includes casting your anxieties on God. Being humble includes casting your anxieties on God. Now, verse 7 tells us that there's a connection between being humble and not being anxious. Humility is opposed to anxiety. Now, it's interesting because humility is opposed to a lot of things, not just anxiety. Humility is opposed to anger. Humility is opposed to greed. It's opposed to lust. It's opposed to selfishness. So humility is opposed to a lot of things. Why does Peter point out that it's opposed to anxiety? Because the people he was writing to were suffering. They were suffering. He's writing to believers who were being slandered, who were being treated unfairly simply because they were identified with Jesus. Persecution was on the rise. And so think about this. Okay? If you're a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, I mean, if you're wearing a sticker that says follower of Jesus on it, and you know that because of that, you might lose your job, you might lose your freedom. You might lose your family. You might lose your own life. If you know that, then you're going to face anxiety. You're going to face anxiety. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with that? For that matter, how do you deal with anxiety from any source, from any time it rears its ugly head? How do you deal with it? Well, according to this, the way you deal with it is by humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God and casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Now, we're going to talk about what that means, what that looks like in just a minute here, but the important thing is see the connection. See that that's really what this is saying. Okay, And to see it, we're going to just look closer here at the the relationship between verse 6 and verse 7. Now, some translations put a period at the end of verse 6, and then they make verse 7 a new sentence. So, New International Version, for example, puts it like this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, period. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. And so that makes it sound like verse 7 is a separate command. But... The word cast in the original language is not a separate command. It's an elaboration or an explanation or a modification of the command to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, casting all your anxieties on him. So it's it's like saying this. Eat politely, chewing with your mouth closed. Or... Drive carefully, keeping your eyes on the road. Or, 
be generous, sharing with those in need. Which means that casting your anxieties on God is not a separate thing you do after you humble yourself. Okay, I'm going to humble myself, and then I'll cast my cares, uh, my anxieties on God. No. It's part of humbling yourself. You do it in order to humble yourself. Because anxiety is opposed to humility, and humility is opposed to anxiety. They displace one another. One displaces the other. All right, now, stay with me here, and I think you'll see it. All right, just think this through. All right. God makes very clear in his word that I'm to humble myself. That means I'm supposed to treat other people with humility. That means I'm supposed to honor them. I'm supposed to value them. I am supposed to be concerned about their needs even before my own. Okay, I'm to place myself in a position of serving others with humility. Okay, Philippians 2, uh, 3 and 4, look at it. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That doesn't mean that you're saying I'm worthless and everybody else is worth more than I am. That's not true. We're all created of equal worth. But this is saying, practically speaking, I'm going to regard your value, your needs, your concerns, your interests above my own. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, it's pretty clear. That's what it says. But now if I start to think about that, um, that can make me anxious. Because being humble puts me at risk. (laughs) Because if I look after your needs, who's going to look after my needs? And what if you don't notice or appreciate what I'm doing for you? What if you look down on me because I'm humbling myself? In fact, what if you try to take advantage of me? And so now, the fear of what might happen My anxiety that I'm going to lose out. I'm going to lose out if I do this humility stuff. Well, that starts to push humility out of the way and say, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute here. No way, I'm too important for this. Nobody says that out loud, but, you know, we think that. I need, I need people to appreciate me. I need people to affirm me. I need people to honor me. Hey, let's forget this humility nonsense. I've got to look out for number one. Anxiety displaces humility. But the reverse is also true. Humility displaces anxiety. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. It's only... By looking out for the interests of the true number one that frees me from the anxiety of trying to be number one. Only when I look out for the interests of the the true number one can I be free from the anxiety of trying to be number one. We don't have to exalt ourselves if we know God will exalt us at the proper time. 
So cast your anxieties on him. And that brings us to link number three. To cast your anxieties on God, increase your confidence in God. To cast your anxieties on God, increase your confidence in God. What am I saying? I'm saying I'm saying that the battle against anxiety, the battle against anxiety is just like every other spiritual battle we face. It's a fight of faith. It's a fight of faith. You fight it by choosing to believe the truth. In order to cast your anxieties on God, you've got to grab hold and hang on to some truths about God. And two truths in particular. You've got to grab onto these truths if you're going to humble yourself and cast your anxieties on God. First, you have to choose to believe that He is able to carry your anxieties. You've got to choose to believe that He's able to carry your anxieties because He is mighty. And second, you've got to choose to believe that He is willing. He wants to carry your anxieties because he cares for you. You've got to hold on to those two truths. You've got to grab on. You've got to choose to believe that he's able to carry your anxieties and he's willing to carry your anxieties. Now, there's a, there's a way we can kind of get our arms around this. Um, if we look at how this cast, the word casting is used one other time in the New Testament. It's in Luke chapter 19. And what's happening here is this is before uh, the event we call Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he's celebrated as the awaited king, the Messiah, you know, prophesied by the prophets. Okay, So the disciples have gone and borrowed a donkey. And they bring it, and they're going to put Jesus on it so he can ride on it into Jerusalem. And it says in verse 35, And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing, there's the word, casting their cloaks... On the colt, they set Jesus on it. So, if you cast your garment on the donkey, he carries it, and you don't. God is able and willing to carry your anxieties the way a donkey carries your baggage. God is able and willing to carry your anxieties the way a donkey carries baggage. One of the most amazing truths, one of the most amazing facts, one of the most amazing things about God <laughs> is that He commands us to let him work for us. It's absolutely amazing about God. God commands us to let him work for us on our behalf. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me, all who, are late, who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Psalm 55, 22. 
Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Isaiah 46, 4, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. God wants to be your burden bearer. God wants to be your burden bearer. Why? Because it demonstrates His greatness. It demonstrates His power. It demonstrates His compassion. It shows His kindness, His goodness. It puts the true God in a class all by Himself compared to all the other gods of human imagination. Look at Isaiah 64, 4. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for Him. God works, we wait. God acts, we rely. God accomplishes, we marvel, we celebrate, we enjoy. He is, he, he, he wants, He tells us to cast all our anxieties on Him. Cast the garment of anxiety on Him. He's able to carry it, He's willing to carry it. That's what this is telling you. That's what this is telling you. God's hand is mighty, it says. God can handle whatever's making you anxious. What's making you anxious? What is it? I mean, just think about it for a minute. There's probably something. What is it? God can handle it. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how scary it is. God's bigger. God's stronger. Verse 11 says, To Him be the dominion forever and ever. He's got all the power. He's got all the authority to rule over anything and everything. You know, there's no shame in admitting that you cannot control the things that are making you anxious. You can't control them. That's why you're anxious, right? You can't control them. There's no shame in admitting. Of course you can't control them. You're not God. You're not God. It's not shameful to admit that. You know what? It's humble. It's healthy. It's right. It's honest. It's the truth. You can't carry him. He can And he wants to carry them. He wants to. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now I think of the two truths that we have to grab on to in order to humble ourselves and cast our anxieties on God. Of the two truths, this one's harder. This one's harder. Because we hear... Yes, God is able. He's able to carry your anxieties. His hand is mighty. And we say, well, sure, yeah, I believe that. He's God, of course. But then we hear, God is willing. God wants to carry your anxieties because He cares for you. And we think, really? Really? Does He really? Does he care about me? Really? 
Well, why would we doubt it? Well, maybe because we know we're not good enough for God to care about us. Maybe we, we know our hearts, we know our failures, we know our inadequacies, we know how small we are. Actually, we don't know how small we are, but we, we know we're really small. And if we think about it, we can't think of any compelling reason why God should care about us. Or, 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 maybe we struggle to believe that he's good enough. We go through something really ugly, and so we think, and if God really cared about me, this wouldn't be happening. But look at those words in verse 10. Look at them. The God of all grace. The God of all grace. It is his nature to be gracious. That's who God is. Exodus 34, 6. Look at this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding, gushing in love and faithfulness. God's like a fountain. He just gushes love. He gushes faithfulness. He's compassionate. He's gracious. You know where these words come from? This comes from when God says to Moses, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. I'm going to declare the meaning of my name. In the very core of my being, this is who I am. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And so because he's the God of all grace, how good you are is completely irrelevant. It is his nature to be gracious. He cares for you because of who he is. Because of who he is. It's his nature to, do, to want to do good to you. And if you will humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will exalt you at the proper time. He wants to do that. He's called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Think about that statement. He's called you to his eternal glory in Christ. And in just a little while, I love that, a little while. You think, it doesn't feel like a little while. I've been going through this for like forever. And it doesn't show any signs of getting any better. What do you mean a little while? Well, compared to the glory that's coming, eternal glory in Christ, it is a little while. Whatever we go through is a little while. And in just a little while, he himself, don't miss that word, personally will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That means he will delight you, he will fulfill you, he will satisfy you, he will make you happier than you have ever dreamed of. God cares more about your ultimate happiness than you do. That can be really hard to believe when you're going through a tough time. And that's why believing he does care is part of humbling yourself. Humbling yourself. You have to humble yourself and admit that God's word is more reliable than your understanding. You have to humble yourself to trust what God says instead of what you feel. You have to humble yourself to trust Him because something really painful happens and our hearts cry out, God doesn't care. God doesn't care. And God says, yes, I do. 
You have to humble yourself to trust God's heart more than your heart. Now, believe me, I am not saying this is easy. <laughs> this is not some simple technique. You know, it's, it looks like a technique, you know. Point three, uh, yeah, to uh, cast your anxieties on God, just increase your confidence in God. Oh, good, that's all? Good, that's easy. No, this is a battle. This is a battle to believe the truth in a world that will tell you, uh, no, that's crazy. This is a battle against our natural pride, our battle against our tendency to distrust God. That's what it means to be proud. It's a battle to humble ourselves and to cast our anxieties on him as often as is necessary. You know what else this is? This is a battle we have to fight daily, and we need each other's help. We really do. You know, the Bible says in Galatians, Uh, that we are to bear one another's burdens. Well, the only way we can bear one another's burdens is if we share our burdens. Because you can't bear a burden you don't know about. We need each other in this because it's a daily battle, and there are going to be times when you're too weary to fight it. You don't want to fight it. And you need a fellow soldier to come along and not just spout, you know, pious platitudes, but to be there, to be with you, to encourage you with their presence, and maybe just to say, it's just a little while. It's just a little while. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it feels like he doesn't care, but it's just a little while. I'll invite you to bow your heads right now and close your eyes. And I want to give uh, a very specific invitation, which is this. If anxiety is a battle that you're fighting today, if you're struggling because you're fearful and the thought of humbling yourself and, and uh, trusting that God is mighty, trusting that God's got this, trusting that he does care for you. If you're fighting that battle today, I want to just invite you uh, to stand up because I want to pray for you and I'm going to stand up because I need to pray for me. And if that's the battle you're fighting today, um, just this is a way of humbling yourself. This is a way of standing up and saying, God, I admit that I am anxious or I have been fighting this and I am tired of it. And God, I need to humble myself before you and cast my anxieties on you. I'm not even sure I know how to do that, but I know it, it involves believing that you're able and you want to carry my burdens. And so I'm just going to humble myself and admit it and say, help me. So I just want to pray for you right now. And if you're one who's not fighting that battle today, know how to fight it, because it's going to come. And encourage and pray for those that are fighting it. Father, I pray for everyone here who is standing. 
the battle against anxiety is so hard. And I just pray for them that you will give them the grace to humble themselves and the grace to cast their anxieties on you. God, will you let them know that you care about them? You really do. Will you encourage them and will you help us fight this fight together? Because you have won the battle. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. We thank you for that incredible hope. In Jesus' name, amen.